Hey, She Slays listeners. Before we get into the episode, I want to tell you about one of our sponsors, the Focus Academy. So you know chiropractic can help kids, but you lack confidence in your knowledge or communication skills to educate parents in your community. I've got a solution for you. The Focus Academy gives you the training and education to understand the why behind those wins and challenges you're seeing in clinic. They teach you how to perform a full brain-based exam, how to go beyond just the subluxation, but stay principled in your chiropractic approach and address and understand the consequences on brain development. They take a two-pronged approach. First, clinical solutions taught in a way that gives you full access to a deeper and more comprehensive understanding and breaks those techniques and approaches down into digestible and practical steps. Second, right now strategies you can employ wherever you are in your training. You'll learn how to seamlessly ask and answer the big questions in your clinical exams and re-exams and have it actually inform the whole child approach and care planning in a way your patients will understand. And since you're a She Slays listener, you'll get free access to the Focus Academy's Kickstart program. Just click the link in the show notes to get started on your journey to improving your practice. Hey, She Slayers, and welcome to another episode of She Slays the Day podcast. I am your host, Dr. Lauren Brunslick. So I was thinking about this She Slayers thing. So like, if we have boys who listen, and we're going to start letting boys on the show, hmm, do I have to call you They Slayers to like account? But like, She Slayers is the name, She Slays is the podcast, so like, are she slayers about you being a she, or is it about you who's a he or she following she slays? I think it's the latter, but if I were a boy, I don't know if I'd want to be called a she slayer. I mean, it's weird. It's definitely weird. You guys, I have a boy who works for me now. We are officially going on two weeks of um, my first male associate doc. I realized this is the sixth doctor that I am training, um, to were interns. Um, but yeah, it is different. It is definitely different, not in a bad way, but I will absolutely say that it is, it is creating an atmosphere for me to really reflect on what kind of a communicator I am, um, what kind of a trainer I am and, uh, become better. So it's, it's great. And I, I was nervous. Okay. I know we have a lot of like very powerful chiropractic clinics that listen and they're all females. Um, one day down the road when I've like learned even more than two weeks in, I will do an episode on like <laughs> hiring your first boy. Um, and, uh, we can all chat, but I will say so far, I thought it was going to be like weird for my patients. Not at all. Not at all. Um, I mean, I can't say not at all. I'm sure there's like one or 2% that aren't telling me and yada, yada, but there's going to be one to 2% who complain about everything. Um, one thing I was not prepared for is how much the, all, cause we, you know, if you're a pediatric practice, especially a pediatric practice like mine that really focuses on helping kids with anxiety, sleep, you know, behavior, things like that. You see a lot of boys. <laughs> you see a lot of actual little boys, um, not like the 20-some-year-old boy I hired, like eight-year-old boys, you know. And right out of the out of the gate, first time they are meeting Dr. Tanner, they want him to adjust him. 
Um, there are like 12 year old boys that I have been adjusting since they were five year old boys who have maybe grunted or like, I've only received like no more than four grunts in the last two years from them. Like, how you doing? Mm. Cool. How's school? Mm. Maybe I'm asking the wrong questions. Okay. No, Dr. Tanner comes in and he's like, so you play any sports, dude? And they're like, yeah, I do slalom skiing. And then in the spring, I do mountain biking. And Tanner's all like, oh, wow, that's so cool. Where do you do that around here? And they're like, and they like, and I'm just looking at Dr. Jess, who's been a Cairo with me for four years. And we're like, dude, that kid has never talked to us. And here he is just like opening up to Dr. Tanner. So it is wonderful. Um, but yeah, definitely. Um, if I, if there was any semblance of semblance, any leftover thoughts that I had that I was easygoing, it has been completely squashed by having a truly easygoing human now on staff that I'm having to communicate and train. Um, and this isn't a generalization that women are uptight and men are more easygoing. No, we're just talking about straight up personalities, me and Dr. Tanner. Dr. Tanner is extremely easygoing. And so it's really funny just communicating with him I can just like hear myself just talking so much. And so again, how it's like helping me is I'm having to really focus on my energy being calm and to the point and trying to remove as much just like over talking that I tend to do. Uh, so it's been good. Um, in other news, let's see, I squashed the hopes and dreams of my daughter this morning, my seven-year-old. We were cuddling in bed before, you know, school. And she said she didn't want to go to school and that she hates school. And I'm like, you don't hate school. She she doesn't hate school. And so to uh, really help her out with life, I went ahead and let her know that like, well, you better learn to be okay with it because after school comes work and you just go to work every day the rest of your life great mom. Right. Um, so then she's like, talks to me about how she's really nervous about getting a job someday. And I'm like, well, why are you nervous? And she's like, well, I just don't want to get fired. And I was like, and she goes, she goes, I'm stressed and obsessed about getting a job. I kid you not. She says this. And I'm like, well, what are you stressed about? And what are you obsessed about? She's obsessed because there's so many options and she doesn't know what she wants to be. Don't worry. I like, like girl, you got tons of time. Then she said she's stressed because she doesn't want to get fired. And I was like, well, yeah, I mean, but, you know, be kind, be reliable, do really good work, and you're probably not going to get fired. And then she goes, but it's hard to be kind. And I'm like, well, yeah, girl, then you might get fired. Um, and so I go like, well, you know what? If you're the boss like mommy is, then you don't have to get worry about getting fired. <sighs> And just like little Zen Buddha, seven-year-old moment, she goes, but I'd still be stressed, mom. You're stressed all the time and you're the boss. Like, yep. Different kind of stress. I guess you're right, kid. You're either the employee and have to worry about getting fired or you're the boss and you're worried about every, literally everything else under the sun. So life lessons on Thursday mornings at 7 a.m. Okay. I know I tell you guys a lot that we, that the episode today is going to be awesome, but I am calling it now. We are probably looking at a top 10 episode of all time to date. 
episode. So we have Dr. Heidi Horvick on, um, and you, you'll, you'll hear me say it multiple times in the interview, but if you think you are just about to get a boring researcher, boy, are you wrong. She is a frickin' hoot. I, I wanted to keep this PG, um, so I said frickin'. You're welcome. Um, oh my gosh, do I want to go grab a beer with Dr. Heidi after talking to her? Also, I, there are these moments throughout the year. Okay. So I've been doing this for 11 years and there are these moments that happen, let's say three to six times a year where I am reminded of how amazing chiropractic is. Don't get all up at me. Like, listen, you know, we've talked about this before on the podcast where it's, it's definitely something where you, it's easy to forget when you're just like, yep, we fixed your color. Yep. Your body doesn't constipate it anymore. Yep. You're, you know, you're off your IEP. You're like, "Mm -hmm, that's what I do. Um, that's what the body does. But this talking to her about what has been proven with research, right? Like us chiropractors, we like to hide, we are not hide, behind the fact that we don't feel like we need research because, but like we see it, we see it every day. So it's really, really cool to go like, Oh, we know that's what an adjustment does. So like, hold on to your socks. Is that the phrase? Hold on to your underwear. You're holding on to something people. Um, great episode to listen to. So like some episodes I tell you, make sure you have pen and paper, like, yes, for sure. Um, you'll probably want to jot some things down, but for the most part, if you're going for a run, if you're going for a drive, this is an amazing episode to jam out to. I personally told my entire staff that like, I want them to listen to this episode because sometimes when you're the leader, you're like trying to inspire. And so like, and like, I feel like you tell people, but your staff's like, I don't know. We put people, we sell people 36, 48 visit care plans. Like I'm just trusting my dad. Like, Yes, have your entire staff listen to this because it is fantastic. Also, we're going to talk about, she talks about different ways that you can support the research going on. Kirby, of course, is going to make sure that all of those links are in the show notes for you guys. Okay, so Dr. Heidi Horvick is the Vice President, Research and Dean of Research at the New Zealand College of Chiropractic. She's a chiropractor and has a PhD in human neurophysiology from the University of Auckland and is one of the most popular chiropractic speakers in the world today. She is the author of the book, The Reality Check, A Quest to Understand Chiropractic from the Inside Out. I have the book. I've read the book. It's fantastic. Um, She has received numerous research awards and has published a number of papers in chiropractic and neurophysiology journals. She's on the editorial board of the Journal of Manipulative and Physiological Therapeutics and Journal of Chiropractic Education, and is a review editor in movement science and sports psychology for Frontiers in Psychology and Sports Science. Holy moly, that is a resume. I didn't know she was on the board of the journal of the JMP, right? Right. That's just what we call it, the JMPT. Um, That's neat. I think I would be terrible on that board. Like, I think I'd be really bad on any research board because my brain, like I have zero Enneagram five in me. And so like hearing research is super cool. But I'm just like, I don't know, do we really need to prove that? And then like everybody on the board would be like, yeah, yeah, we do. That's our literally our job, Lauren. I'd be like, oh, okay, just fire me off the board then. So let's pray and then let's get down, get down to brass tacks. Is that, that's a phrase. That's a phrase I think I, I nailed. Oh, nailed brass tacks. Yes. On it today. Okay. 
Take a breath. Relax the jaw. Check in with your heart. Keep your eyes open if you are running or driving, please. But still, find your presence. Be here with me. How are you, friend? How's your heart? How's your mind? What are you focusing your attention on? What are you filling your heart and your soul with? Who are you surrounding yourself with? If you're feeling lonely in this island of chiropractic that we so often can feel alone on, I'll remind you that there are tons of people like you that are fighting this fight to educate people on natural interventions like chiropractic, and you're not alone, and that there are communities here who want to be with you and support you and share your wins and hold your hand through the hard times. Open your heart to being more involved in the chiropractic profession, donating to people who are doing the work on our behalf, because it is it is the work that will fill our clinics with people. Reminders when we are talking about people, that they're people, that like it, we can get so caught up in growth that in numbers and whether we're seeing 100 or breaking that 200 or breaking that 700, whatever the number, that like these are real people, these are prefrontal cortexes, one after another that we are having a huge impact on through the power of chiropractic and an adjustment. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, crew, you're going to love this one. Here is Dr. Heidi Horvick and me just shooting the shit and talking about research. Oops, no longer PG, officially PG-13 rated. Hope you enjoy. So, okay. So chiropractic was one of your first like degrees beyond like the undergrad. Did you know while you were in chiropractic school that you wanted to, I mean, obviously you kept going right away. Um, but like, if you knew you were going to be adjusting patients, how did you know, like I, it, that, that extra education was going to be worth it? Cause like now you're really heavy into research. Did you always know that you were going to do that? No. I had no intentions whatsoever, but I've just got one of those really curious minds. So I was loving practice, like loving it. Um, and I was practicing, but I just, I, I literally, I literally wanted to keep studying. I was studying the philosophy of education, the um, psychology of education. Don't ask me why, but I just was. And then I bumped into my science lecturer from Cairo College because she had then moved to Auckland University and she was lecturing there. And she goes, oh, Heidi, I remember you from college. You know, you were one of the bright ones. And I was going, what, really? It's, it's that stellar <laughs> personality. They're like, I remember you. You were the only entertaining student. Everyone else was lame. You're the only one that asked questions. He's going, come, you know, if you want to study, why don't you come and do a neuroscience PhD with me? I said, oh, Bernie, I'm not smart enough for that. She goes, yeah, 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 you are. And I'm going, really? So anyway, I mean, I, I found it fascinating. So I just literally did it for fun to begin with. And then I just got bit by the bug because I suddenly got like top grades in five different departments at Auckland University. And I was going, oh, maybe I am smart enough. You know, maybe, you know. <laughs> And then I just, I adored it because we were literally seeing like, this is back in the late, like, late early 2000s, right? 
So back then, we had no evidence that we changed the brain. And from the first few studies I was doing as part of my PhD, we were seeing changes in the brain. And I knew then, I knew this was big. So I was like, wow. But my only ambition, Lauren, was literally to be Bernadette Murphy's, you know, um, research slave. I was going to be her assistant one day a week and just donate my time. I mean, I had no intention of this being my career. <laughs> but but I just, and then she left the country. So she moved to Canada. And that's why I ended up, I had the choice. I could give it up. And then I was bitten by the bug. But, or I could take the job because I was offered then the research director role. I wasn't, I hadn't even finished my PhD. So I was telling them first, first, I just turned it down. I'm like, no, no, I'm not, I can't do that. Again, you can, you can see, I've got this real confidence, you know, <laughs> I can't do that. I'm not, smart. I, I'm, not you know? <laughs> I'm not, I'm not qualified, but then, um, you know, I'd have to give up the research. So I figured, nah, I'm going to do this. So I kept going and I, and, you know, I took that role, you know, with a real arm twist and then I've just never looked back, you know, it, it just took over my life. You know, here we suddenly, like we've literally discovered at least one way that our adjustments work. We've, you know, and that's a big deal considering for 125 years, we've not truly known. We've had so, theories, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So I am, um, I, embarrassingly, I am one of those people that just uh, doesn't need research. Okay. So like me, me mentally, you know, people yeah. will be like, you know, cause some people are really into it and it's all, you know, when is a great time to have research is when you're being questioned or you have an opportunity where they want to see the research. And then you're like, um, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 I mean, sure. We've got research on low back pain, right? Right. So like prior to 2000, what kind of research? I mean, if you don't know the answer to this, like, don't worry. But like, what had we had up until then? Like, oh, I know. I know exactly okay. what we had up until then. Up until then, we had like a handful of studies done by some very brave pioneering scientists that showed that we could change reflexes within the central nervous system for a few milliseconds. You know what I mean? We had some evidence about low back pain. We had a bit of evidence about neck pain. I think the headache research was starting to come out then as well. But, you know, that was it. And then, you know, so there was nothing about the mechanisms. Like I had no, I didn't need any proof that chiropractic worked. I mean, I know it works. So I could, I mean, I was into it. I was adjusting my babies and animals and, you know, you could see it, right? But I, I just really genuinely wanted to know, well, how, how, can we thrusting on a spine? How the hell can that? It changes people's personality. They sleep better. They feel better. Their pain goes away. How, how on earth can we do that? And I mean, I just couldn't buy. It didn't make sense to me that we were relieving pressure off squash nerves because I could adjust someone's neck and their low back pain would go away. Well, hang on a minute. You know, like, right. It, right. Yeah. I mean, where's the nerve root from C1 that goes down the back? You know, it just is, it, you know, or the other way around, right? You could do a sacroiliac joint and their headaches disappeared. And I'm like, well, hang on a minute. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on? Yeah. <laughs> oh, so, yeah. So you saw, obviously, like, I think anybody who, once you start getting into that role of research and you realize there's a huge lack of it and then you're interested in it and, and it's always helpful when you start to see um, that it is doing something. I can imagine studying chiropractic 
uh, and what it does to the neurology would not be nearly as fun if it was like, oh, not much. Eh, doesn't yeah. really do much. <laughs> yeah, and I, I mean, like, it was a bit scary though, Lauren. I mean, honestly, it was scary in the early days because I was like right out on a limb. Most scientists don't do that, funnily enough. Most scientists study one tiny little thing that we don't know in a massive pool of research that, that we do know. And here I am right on the edge of known science. You know, chiropractic is a mechanical treatment for back pain, back pain, neck pain, and headaches. That's where we were at in the research world. And here I am. No, no, it changes the neurophysiology. <laughs> you know, and so it's, you're right on the edge of the known science, and you're going into the unknown because we had we had nothing. So yeah, that's really interesting <laughs> because you're right. Like I feel like the way most research projects get money and funded is going like, okay, so we're taking this previous hypothesis or theory, and we're making a very detailed hypothesis, and we're setting up the study to really figure out this, whereas like if I'm summarizing what you just said correctly, it's kind of like, let's see what an adjustment does to the brain. Like, how do you, okay. We didn't how even, we didn't even think the brain really, to be perfectly honest, because okay. again, back then, the theory was we relieve pressure off squashed nerve roots. So when we started out, like I literally, I was scraping the bottom of the barrel. Like I had a few conference proceedings and <laughs> by a few of the pioneers. And I, my, my professor, Bernadette Murphy, she was one of those pioneers. She was in 95, she published a paper with the H-Reflex. I mean, this was just unheard of, you know. So it was it was really exciting to do it with her. But we literally did that somatosensitive potential study, which was one of our first, um, where, you know, you're, you're stimulating the mixed nerve at the wrist. So it's literally the muscle spindle afferents from the thumb going up and being processed in the brain. And we had this ancient old machine, this bioamplifier that had on a good day, it was a, definitely a female because she was very hormonal. Like it was <laughs> on a good day, <laughs> we got like five channels so we could record from about three or four different sites. So two of them happened to be over the brain. Whereas the most important ones we thought were at the back of the neck recording over the of the spinal cord. But we, and, and so what you can record then is how that information is received or thought about by the central nervous system at the spinal cord level, at the brainstem level. And then we happen to have those two that we had left and, and my good old dinosaur Frankenstein, she, she survived and managed to record a couple of channels from the brain. And, and we thought we saw no changes in the spinal cord, no changes in the brainstem, yet these lasting changes, obvious changes, significantly big changes at the brain level and even right back then I was like oh my goodness me we have discovered it and they lasted like it wasn't a reflex thing this was for half an hour after an adjustment that's all we could record for because it took us about five hours to do that just right. one experiment you know on one person but like just showing lasting changes in brain function was massive like that's the, I mean we were like going pinching ourselves going oh my goodness this is the first time ever that we've got these documented neuroplastic changes or these brain changes lasting after an adjustment and it's all in the brain it's not at the spinal cord it's and not and this was the early 2000s this was early 2000s yeah we published that study in the end in 2007 I think we recorded the data must have been about 2002 or 2003. So I knew, but this was while I was doing my PhD. I had a three-year-old son and a brand new baby daughter and, you know, a little bit mad, you see. So <laughs> it 
a very busy time. <laughs> a very busy time. So how frustrating, and maybe you just like meditate a lot and so you have no frustration about it, but like when you just, I don't know if discover is the correct word, um, within, you never know when like you're using certain words within people's profession and they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa well, you're not throwing, yeah, yeah, but yeah, when yeah, you yeah. discover this, when you publish this, let's say that when you yeah. publish this, how disappointing was it that like, it didn't shake, like catch fire. First of all, even amongst the chiropractic profession, let alone, you know, healthcare, you'd think that neurologists and healthcare around the world would be like, hey, maybe we should really think about chiropractic as a legitimate profession. And chiropractors didn't even know or care about this. How do you, how did you deal with this? How do you? Well, it didn't worry me because I wasn't really after any attention. Like that was never, I was literally planning on being billed at Murphy's research assistant, you know, just donating my time. So it didn't, it didn't worry me. And I also know how hard it is for people to change. Like it's not easy. If you've if you've believed all your life that you're relieving pressure or squashed nerve roots, and I'm going, nah, nah, you're actually changing <laughs> the communication from those small deep muscles close to the spine and skull and pelvis, and their communication with the brain, which makes it harder for your brain to perceive what's going on in your body and the world around you, that can be a bit of a mouthful for people to get their heads around. Mm-hmm. And then, but then I also realized that they actually didn't understand. Because it's neuroscience, right? Not everybody is a trained neuroscientist. At that stage, I'd been studying for like five years. You know, so it's neuroscience. It's like a different language. So I realized then that, that even my students who were starting to understand the big, the big picture and how, how big it was, what a massive thing this is, like, you know, like you're saying, they couldn't, like I could understand, I knew that they understood me because I asked them questions and I knew they got it, but they couldn't, like I also walked through our chiropractic centre and no, none of them were talking about it. So I realised they didn't have the language. Yeah, They didn't have the words. How do you explain this? I get what Heidi's saying, but I don't get what it means and I don't know how to explain that. And that's literally why I wrote my book, The Reality Check. Because at the time, like even, you know, I was talking to my 93-year-old grandmother and she was struggling to get it as well, <laughs> funnily enough. <laughs> so I, I, needed, I needed the language and I figured I needed the language for the students so that they'd understand what I was talking about. Okay. And that, that made a big shift. That made a big shift. So big then shift. how, where do you go from that first kind of, <clears throat> that first big study in 2007 and you're like, whoa, okay, yeah. this isn't pressure on the nerve root. How do you decide where to go next? Like when you're looking at like, well, do we look at Vegas? Do we look at the gut? Do we look at this, like the heart center and like what's in there? Like, how do you start to- You follow the data. You okay. literally follow the data. So what we did when we'd have done that first study, I probably repeated that study about five times. And with a subtle twist, you know, like researchers do. And the, one of the reasons that you're doing subtle that. Subtle twist being like technique, like adjustment for, for, is that for, No, no, no. Like a subtle twist in like, so instead of just stimulating one nerve, we stimulated two nerves. Instead of, you know, doing it just for one session, we would, we adjusted them over several, several weeks, you know. So subtle differences, but do you still see the same thing? So in a way, we're really trying to convince ourselves and the research community that this is real. This, 
we haven't just, this wasn't just a mistake in the recording. You know, like if we also knew, because I was obviously a brand new scientist, you need to actually establish a track record. So we right. we always had like a parallel. Well, I'm being taken back to science. It must be replicatable. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you even, you need to prove that you're not an idiot. So we're also publishing in, you know, non-chiropractic interventions as well. So I don't know what we had. We had this fear that we wouldn't be taken seriously if we only ever did chiropractic research. So, so of course we sort of doubled up, you know, <laughs> everything we did. And then because it's starting to tell a story, then you start thinking quite cleverly about it again to confirm that what you're finding. So if we truly are changing the way the brain is processing this proprioceptive information from the thinner area of the thumb, then it should also be sending different messages back down to the thumb muscles. So now we shifted to a completely different methodology. So instead of using somatosensory potentials, now we move to transcranial magnetic brain stimulation and tested the messages that get sent down to the thumb. Because again, after an adjustment, if we're truly changing the way the brain's thinking about this, processing it, it should potentially be sending different messages. So again, it's like you keep you keep following the data. If this is real, then it should equal that. So then, and then we did the TMS, they showed up to be the same. And then you just, it just snowballs. Cause then, then I would be like, I'd be racing up to every neuroscience conference I went to, which was every year to different ones. I'd race up to the top people in the field. Don't ask me why I had this, you know, I needed to, I would go up to that and I'd keep talking to them about their research until they were like, oh, you know, she actually knows what she's talking about because she knows my work, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, and that sometimes would take me several years and then I'd invite them to come and do a study with me. Because if I had, if I replicated massive changes with a chiropractic adjustment with a world-renowned professor in my lab, who is there collecting the data, analyzing the data, then it can't just be me, right? It can't just be that, Oh, Heidi, you know, so, so I ended up with were you know, researchers several. receptive to doing this. Some, yes, some, no. So if I got a closed door and, and it was really interesting, some people, as soon as they found out I was a chiropractor, just about slammed the door in my face. Right. Which, and is that because we have right. no, not enough previous research? Yes. Yes. And some so people kind have, of like that double edged yeah. first job thing where it's like, well, you don't have any work history and you're like, so I can't hire you. And it's like, I'm trying to create the damn work yeah. history yeah. by doing this job. And, and also, like, some people have these preconceived strange ideas about chiropractic. But some scientists are wonderful, and that's the people I would find. Those ones that are totally open. It's about the science. You know, if you do really good science, who, who cares what the, what the intervention is, right? right? So I'd convinced several professors to do, to do some studies with us. And, again, then it really snowballs because – not only then, like, you know, I, I didn't even convince myself that this was for real until I'd published several studies and then could have very intelligent conversations with neurophysiologists, right, Neuro professors. And that's when the, you know, the real magic starts happening. So it literally probably took about 10 years of doing multiple studies before it feels that then it's very real. Like now it's not just one study. You can't ever rely on one study. But if you've got this solid body and you've done like 15 really good studies, different techniques and different labs, all showing the same story, you know, but completely different methodology and different labs, different people collecting and analyzing it, different people being adjusted, then you know it's real. And that's when it really starts to become Oh, I mean, but I knew, I mean, I knew even from the first study because I mean, I'm standing there with the equipment, right? You know, we, we didn't fudge a thing. You're like, this was like fucking. Right. 
I could see it on the computer, you know. It was, yeah. yeah. Who's yeah. paying for this? Because I know chiropractors are really stingy and are like, well, I don't, I don't need research. I mean, I said it literally in the beginning of this podcast, like, I don't really need research. I find it fascinating and helpful when I really need the research. But on my day to day, like, I feel like most chiropractors are just like, meh, patients come in, they get better. I don't need to know how it works. Yeah. And most of my patients don't. So like, how do but have you-, you noticed anything over the pandemic? Like, have you noticed trouble and you know did you did you know that like half half the world's chiropractors weren't even allowed to see people to begin with because we weren't considered essential health workers i know in the u.s this didn't really happen too badly but in many places like in new zealand in the first lockdown we weren't even considered essential workers like you know to me that's shocking And, and i don't know about you but have you seen people come and see you and then, you know, oh, I used to get the flu every year, but I've never been sick since I saw you. I mean, yeah. how many times do we hear that, right? Nope. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, and, but and you know, we don't happens. have a single, a single clinical trial showing that we change or improve immune function. We don't. No, not one. No, not not one. We should stop telling patients that. <laughs> you know, and that's terrible, isn't it? Do you know? It really is. <laughs> hmm. But, but there's actually quite a few studies. There's about 20 studies, basic science studies, showing that if you adjust, you know, a subluxated segment in the spine, it can change these really important neurochemicals that are very important for a healthy immune system. Like we know we can change oxytocin and we can change interleukin levels, certain interleukins. And so, yes, there is some basic science evidence that shows it's possible again. And now that we know it's the brain, it makes sense. But there's not a single study that shows that if you're under chiropractic care, you don't get sick as often or you recover faster or anything like that. And that to me is criminal. And yes, you know, who is, who is ever going to fund this research, Lauren? If that, was it's not my, that was kind of where I was getting to the beginning yeah. of this of like, so chiropractors are stingy. Who is going to fund this? Because I know that there are likely and, you know, we're, we're going to see the soapbox. We're not going to enter it. Heidi, we're not going to step on it, but I think that there are more people who would invest in squashing the research that chiropractic can help than yep. Yep. fund. So, yep. what do you? So if do you're a chi- if you are a chiropractor and you don't put any money towards your profession's research, then on, honestly, and I, I hate to say it, but shame on you, because if you don't support the profession in our future, like it's it's what legitimizes us. I mean, it's like you said, the only time you need research is if you're being questioned. I mean, the people that contact me and they want to know, you know, do we have any research on this? Do we have any research on that? They're usually in trouble, Lauren. Yes. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's when they want to know. But, you know, like if you're not putting, it's like an insurance plan. Mm. You know, do you do you pay for insurance? Do you do you pay for health insurance? Do you pay? Like it's an insurance plan for our profession. And I mean, it's as little as like a coffee a day or something, right? We're not right. talking a lot of money. But do you not put $10, $20, $30 aside a week for an insurance plan for the future? Do you, do you want this profession to be available for your kids and your grandkids? Then please, mate, please, please, at some tiny level on a regular basis, put something somewhere. And it doesn't have to be to me, you know, like, <laughs> of course it should be, you know. <laughs> yeah, but, but like, you know, I, I just think we're mad. We're absolutely mad. If if you just want to live in your own little bubble, fine, fair enough. Just you know, you you do no, that. But if you want this to change the world, 
If we truly want to change the world, we cannot live in a bubble. And one thing we're notoriously bad at as chiropractors is working together. I mean, it's just pathetic, really. (laughs) No wonder you're not getting anywhere. Yeah, I mean, so in the last six months, I've talked to Sherry McAllister and Christy Hudson, who are both on the chiropractic progress committee progress. There's acronym. It's an acronym. Um, But that's something that's come up on both of the conversations around this, like, just trying to get the profession, because I bet you, you have chiropractors who are like, oh, I would donate, but I don't agree with what you're studying or like doing your research on. I don't usually have that problem. (laughs) Honestly. Yeah. Because, I mean, you know, honestly, it's, we're literally kind of showing that chiropractic improves brain function. And I have not yet met a chiropractor that doesn't think that's absolutely fantastic. Whatever political side they're on, it is just, it is, it is rock solid, basic science, fundamental science mechanisms showing how our adjustments work. So we don't have to rely on a philosophy anymore. I'm not saying philosophy is not important, but we don't have to rely on it because this is a fact. Chiropractic adjustments change the brain, you know, and it's showing quite clearly that we're actually enabling the brain to more accurately perceive what's going on. So if the brain knows what's going on, it can actually respond better. So we just literally live better lives. So I, I have yet to find a chiropractor that doesn't like what we're doing. And I do have a lot of people that do support us, but it's, it's, uh, it's, it's nowhere near enough. And to me, what's so important is us working together. If we actually truly want to achieve something, we have to work together. And that's why I'm I, like, I've donated my time now for about, must be about two years now for this. It's the future of chiropractic. They're calling it now the future of chiropractic. It started with Cairo Congress's, you know, the leadership of all the different state associations coming together. Mm-hmm. So which for, for one is a massive thing, yeah, right? All of the state's associations coming together. And then they've set up this big strategic plan. So what should the future look like? You know, in an ideal world, if we actually manage to come together. And again, this is everybody just giving a little bit, just a little bit. But mm-hmm. if everybody did, can you imagine? I mean, you shouldn't really have someone like me sitting, you know, on my, in my, my bum, twiddling my thumbs going, I haven't got any money. I can't do anything at the moment. I have got the brightest scientist on the planet. I've got the most, I've got like, you know, almost a million dollars worth of research equipment. You shouldn't have people like me not being able to be so busy that, you know what I mean? You, you should have me run off my feet busy to keep going. And it's not just me. There's brilliant scientists out there. So that's why, to me, this future of chiropractic is such an awesome thing where we literally are coming together. I think uh, probably I not the first time, but it's, it is, we are coming together. And this is this, it's very apolitical. So we are focusing on what we agree on, not what we disagree on. Yep. And we're, fo- we're focusing on our future. What do we want out of our future as a profession? All of us. So not just this fraction or that fraction. So we're really into transparency, inclusiveness, and collaboration. They're the three key values. We're being transparent, we're being inclusive, and we're being collaborative. What can we do together and what can we achieve? And we've set some massive hairy goals, Lauren, that I I pinch myself. I get goosebumps thinking about it. Like one of our research goals that we want to achieve is actually collecting the data from your practices. Because I think there is so much gold happening in in Cairo's offices. We've seen what can come out of the sterile labs, Does it right? Matter? So what about the style? There's so many different ways to adjust. Have you found that like... So wouldn't it be wonderful if we had the data? Imagine mm-hmm. if we were collecting data from most of your patients 
from all the different clinics, all the different techniques? What if we could actually look at thousands of patients that say maybe came in with this issue or that issue and they were under this kind of care or that kind of care? I honestly reckon we'll find that most patients are being underserviced. They're not being seen enough. Mm -hmm. They might be adjusted once or twice and then sent back home again. To me, that's bullshit. If you start looking at how it works, I mean, chiropractic, what we're really doing is exercising spines into better function. And I don't know about you, but can you go to the gym once or twice and then be fit for forever? You know, it doesn't work that way. So do we have, so like I am a, uh, I I would call myself a care plan based clinic, right? So like our average patient is, and I'm like scared to even ask this because I don't want to like have a, um, uh, existential crisis after this. (laughs) (laughs) I know know the feeling. (laughs) So I'm going to ask a question, but be nice. Um, Okay. So I have found, I've been in practice 11 years. And when I first started, I would give like a care plan that was like three times a week for one week, two times a week for one week, one time a week for one week, and then uh, once a month. And I have found now that I do three times a week for, let's say anywhere between two to four months, I get different results. I get functional, I get anxiety. Exactly. Okay. So you're telling me that it's good. Cause like, yeah, I see it in practice, which is why yeah. I keep doing it where I'm like, no, listen, I was doing it the other way and I didn't get yes. those results. Yes. But sometimes you kind of get a little crazy as a chiropractor where you can start to like feel like an imposter where you're like, well, how come the other chiropractors in town are giving crappy care plans? Like, how come they told you to come in once a week for six weeks? And if that didn't work to send you for for or something. So how amazing would it be, Lauren, if we actually were collecting your data? What if we could actually document that your patients were getting better and getting really good results? And the, and the amazing thing is, and, and, and remind me to come back to that, is we've recently discovered, well, a few years ago, that we're actually affecting a part of the brain called the prefrontal cortex, which is right behind your forehead. What that prefrontal cortex does is it turns off your sympathetic stress nervous system and it activates your parasympathetic um, healing, digesting, and you know, repairing part of your part of your nervous system. It, in, it inhibits the hypothalamus pituitary adrenal stress axis. It helps you relax, sleep. It helps your mood pick up. It helps you um, move more coordinatedly. It helps with pain feelings of pain, chronic pain areas. It helps with your immune function. So it's like all of a sudden we have like, to me, that's like the Holy grail. We've, we've hit it. We now know that will be why our patients have those experiences when they're under regular care. Cause it's like, if you went to the gym twice and you compared it to someone that went to the gym regularly three times a week for four, for four weeks or a month, right? Who's going to have the better results? Who's going to be feeling better? It's the person that's done regular exercise, right? And the amazing thing is when you're adjusting people like that, it's not only your adjustments that are going to be having an effect, but they are then in their daily lives. Everything else they do is going to be working better. So if they also exercise, they're going to be getting more out of their exercise. We've shown that in a whole range of studies that when we adjust people, we make their brains more efficiently able to produce force. So you're actually going to be switching on your muscles in the correct order at the right times and actually getting more proper function out of them because they're being adjusted regularly. So it's like it's like that foundational piece 
to health that you just make everything in their life work better, but it isn't going to happen with one or two visits because it's more like an exercise effect. But again, it's not just like exercise. It's not like you just exercise and instead of getting adjusted, like we did one study again where we showed that the effects of a single adjustment session was equivalent on the nervous system to two weeks of strength training. Like it's it's a profound effect on the central nervous system. And if you're doing that on a regular basis, it's like then your brain. How come I don't have a six pack? How how come you don't have what? How come I don't have a six pack then? (laughs) Probably because you're not actually exercising those muscles afterwards. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I I don't even. (laughs) You can't you can't even see my stomach muscles. It's just a whole lot of fat there. But, you know, that's because I'm too bloody busy doing my research as my priorities. But so yeah. chiropractors, okay, so like we've kind of complained, all right, chiropractors, you should be donating because this directly affects you. Like literally, if if this type of information became public knowledge, I believe that we would never have to spend another dollar on, I mean, do the amount of money that I spend a month on Google ads and Facebook ads. Holy cow. I wouldn't have to do any of that. Um, so I understand like chiropractors, we talked about them. They should be doing it. What about other healthcare professions though? How come like the people who yeah. are in your field, like how come, yeah. how come the rest of the world isn't getting more excited about chiropractic? Well, I think we've always been on the outside. So we've always separated ourselves for one. So I think there's been a lot of really good efforts internationally at the moment to integrate better. So you are seeing chiropractors, you know, getting into hospitals and working very nicely alongside medical doctors, being real chiropractors. And I've seen several myself, they're getting into the veterans affairs offices and actually working. No, no. No, no, because they're still, and I've, I followed one lady around, awesome, awesome lady in Florida and literally went on the rounds with her at the hospital where she was seeing her patients. She was just checking and adjusting spines beautifully. And these patients were having fantastic results and everybody was referring to her, all the neurosurgeons, you know, the orthopedic surgeons, the physios, everybody was referring to her because chiropractic care works, right? We know that, but you know, there's not enough evidence yet like we still got so much research to do but so so my my answer to your original question there I think we honestly go to the grassroots like I don't think we're going to need so much more research to really convince the medical profession and we're going to need to do a lot more work in repairing our relationships with the rest of healthcare in general I believe but I do think that if we suddenly get if we can go directly to the people that want what we have to offer, and they do, believe you me, they do. If we can get straight through to them and, and achieve that tipping point where people are actually, you know, the, the drive and the need for chiropractic far out outweighs what we've actually got available. You know, we'll need to, we need to double the size of our profession if we actually change the demand. We only see about 10%, less than 10%, right? Whereas if, if you knew what I knew, you would not not choose chiropractic. I mean, I get a chiropractor come to my house because I'm so busy, but that's not something I'll ever scrimp on. So she comes every week, if not twice a week. We all get adjusted. You know, my husband, my two kids, they've been adjusted since birth. Like They don't know anything different. To them, that's just normal. But that should be normal for everybody. You know, like one of the biggest reasons we get subluxated, Lauren, one of the biggest reasons that our spine dysfunctions is stress. Stress. Mm -hmm. I mean, imagine the stress now. 
So how do you, okay, so let's talk about subluxation because yes. I feel like when I have, let's say I have um, an MD who's, who came because they're getting headaches and they're like, okay, they're very like highly skeptical, but they're willing to let me adjust them. Um, one of the first elephants in the room that I have to like talk about is like, okay, we use this term subluxation. It doesn't mean in our world what it means in your world. Like in yeah. their world, it's more like a dislocation, right? Yeah. Possible. So, yeah. Yeah. So like, how would you, if you were at a cocktail party, um, how would you in conversation talk to um, a, a, a medical professional about yeah. subluxation, what it is and like what we know about it? If I started with a medical professional, because that, that, that always changes the conversation, I start with logic that is very, um, well, I start with a reasoning, a line of reasoning that's very logical to them, right? So I say, you know, have you ever had an accident? Yeah, and go, yeah, yeah, yeah. You've had a car accident, yeah, or you've fallen off something, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what we know happens if you have an injury to the spine is subtle changes start to happen immediately within minutes to hours to the, to the muscles that are close to the spine and skull. So the deep, small muscles that cross individual vertebra, they start to change. They literally get neurologically inhibited. And over months to years, you start to get changes in those little muscles. You get, they become fibrotic and stiff. There's fatty infiltration. They change their fiber type. They even atrophy. And have you seen a muscle in a cast where it shrinks? Obviously, I mean, I wouldn't use those words to a medical doctor, but you know, if I'm talking to someone else, I talk about, have you ever seen a muscle in a cast? It shrinks like, and those little muscles are vital for the brain to know what's going on in the spine. So for your brain to control spinal movements. And they're like, yeah, yeah, okay, that makes sense. What's really interesting as well, though, we know that if you get into fight and flight response, so if you have physiological stress or psychological stress, it also has a similar effect to these muscles, switches them off. Local inflammation does the same. And we see this in our chiropractic offices. If someone's got a really badly inflamed gut for some reason, bowel, they end up with low back subluxations. If they've got a, you know, a, a jaw abscess or something, they end up, you know, upper cervically subluxated like hell, right? And you, they just keep getting subluxated. You can't do anything until you fix the, the local inflammation. And they're like, oh, okay, all right, yeah, yeah. So I said, but the, what's really fascinating is what we also know is there's a similar change in the brain. So you get these local maladaptive changes in the spine, but you also get these maladaptive changes in the brain. And it doesn't just influence the way your brain can perceive and control the movement of your spine, but it also changes the way your brain can perceive what is going on in the rest of your body, where your arms and legs are, and what's going on in the world around you. We've even done studies showing that a dysfunctional spine influences how accurately you can perceive sound and visual information. It's quite mind boggling, you know, so it literally changes the way you perceive the world around you as well as what's going on inside you. And then I will throw in the odd study because I know them, right. right. To just back it up. Right. Cause I know exactly what I'm, what I'm talking about, but you can learn the odd, you know, three or four key studies that you can throw at them as well, right? And and then we've shown again that when we adjust these subluxation er subluxated areas, who gives a shit what we call it? But the spinal segments themselves can dysfunction. Eventually, you end up with that hypomobility and the DJD around the joint. And after four or five years, you can see it on an X-ray. Like you, but you do not want to get to that level because okay, that's, so that's a big thing. Right. Cause yeah. that's a big thing that like gets them all in a tizzy, right. Of like, it's yeah. not diagnosed seen on an x-ray, but it's like, it takes four to five years. You want to wait that yeah. long? Yeah. Yeah. And you can, if you like, 
But by that stage, you're developing a whole set of problems. We now know that the changes in those little muscles, the way they communicate with the brain, is most likely, and this is not written by chiropractors, but the changes in their communication following injuries or, or stress or inflammation, the changes in the communication from those little muscles is most likely what creates chronic pain to begin with. It's probably what causes pain, spinal pain, and musculoskeletal pain problems, and those chronic problems. So if you want to go there, fine. But it's a learned problem within the brain. If you want your brain to learn to be in chronic pain, be my guest. But I personally don't like it. And the benefits of getting adjusted, not only is it clearing up the way the brain's controlling your spine, so you're preventing all of these musculoskeletal problems from developing, but it also helps you you know, it helps you relax better, you feel better, <laughs> you can move better. And that's probably because of our influence on the prefrontal cortex, which we've also shown in multiple studies. And as you know, because he's a medical doctor, and I pretend he knows because he won't know, but that's okay. Yeah, but as you know, the prefrontal cortex is vital for your mental health, for your well-being, your resilience, your relaxation, gastrointestinal problems, impulse control, your executive functions. It's the seat of your intelligence, right? It is the part of the brain that makes you who you are. So it's like, you know, all these grumpy men used to come in and get and get and tell me that their wives were sending them in to get the, the grumpy adjustment. <laughs> because, you know, every time they got adjusted, then they would come home and they'd be nice. So it's like, and, and that's how I'd hook it in with all those other positive side effects like because we don't actually have negative side effects except you might feel a little bit sore and achy you know every now and then it's a bit like going to the gym right for the first time in months you get your muscles get a bit sore and achy well it's the same thing we're waking up your spine again so you might get a bit sore and achy that's the worst thing that can happen your other side effects in addition to you not developing all of these pain problems is you might feel better move better be better coordinated <laughs> um, have better impulse control uh, be more intelligent uh, relax more be more resilient you know I don't know about you but you know I think it's quite a good thing <laughs> um so like that MD you just blew his world up that's amazing um but I feel like most chiropractors uh use oh we don't know we don't, you don't know. know no I know, know. I know and but so then like that's what kind of sucks is like we're just like just go listen to Heidi on a podcast. Go, go to no. a neuroscience thing and it's we all need on. to learn it, Lauren. We, we need, need to learn, learn it. it. We do. And, and what I've realized is, you know, this and I know you've heard me. You told me you'd heard me, and bless you, you know. Yes, I know I can be re relatively unconventional and, and reasonably entertaining, but you actually need to learn your own science. And that's literally why we've created Kairos Academy. So there's a site now called Kairos Academy, and I have recorded these topics. And I speak slower. <laughs> I don't swear. I know that might, you know, <laughs> some people, but, <laughs> but, but I literally help you learn your own science. And all of this shit that I'm talking about today is on there. And bit by bit, lesson by lesson, we, we break it down into an hour long lesson at a time. Every five to 10 minutes, we'll stop and we'll test you with a little online quiz to make sure you're picking up on the key important factors. But bit by bit, you can learn this. This is not difficult. You know, and you know, look at all the shit that you learned through Cairo College. This is this is doable. Well, I don't want you to throw anybody under the bus here, but like, why isn't this what I'm learning in Cairo College? Well, that's what's changing now. But you've got to remember okay. too that, like, it's actually normal that new knowledge takes a bit of time. So it's very normal that new novel information takes about 10, 20, 30 years okay. to get into the textbooks and to be taught. So this isn't unusual. Okay. And can you imagine how many neuroscientists do you think are out there that are chiropractors? Uh, three, five? Yeah, yeah. Literally. <laughs> 
totally about five. Okay. And do you think that they are busy? Yeah, they're very busy. So who the fuck's going to teach? Excuse me, that uh-huh. came out. But who okay. is gonna, My listeners are very used to occasionally. Who is going to teach this shit? Who's going to teach this? Who get it, right? Mm-hmm. So that's literally why we're working. And we're working in now with several chiropractic um teaching educational institutions so that this material does get taught. Even if they've hired, say, a neuroscientist that isn't a chiropractor, we're providing them with all the information so that they, again, the students can listen to the online classes and then they can actually just have a cool discussion or an active learning session with them during their class times. So we're literally using Kairos Academy and integrating it in with chiropractic colleges for those that can see its importance. Not, not everybody does. And that's okay too, because it takes time. I am not pissed off with anybody. I think it's perfectly normal. <laughs> you meditate because for real, I'm like, I would just be an angry person if I were you. I would just be so angry. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I, I literally, I, I, again, you know, I mean, I've got this I don't know, complex or whatever, but I thought it was my fault for not communicating it properly. So I just worked harder and harder, Lauren. And in the end I burnt out. So I've learned that's not the best way. (laughs) So so now, so now I've changed. I've got a new model. So now I've got all these classes (laughs) online. I can give talks online. I can talk to, you know, with podcasts and, and it is, I know that within 20, 30 years, it will be a complete shift and everybody will be talking about it. And I believe if we do a good job at communicating it on to the profession, which is why we've built Cairo's Hub, which is another online platform for chiropractors to communicate this material to the public in a very easy to understand language with a little whiteboard animations, quotes, summary articles on like 50 different topics. And we keep making more. So that's, that's to get hub. That's on Cairo's Hub. At the moment, it's on the reality check, therealitycheck.com, but it's moving to Cairo'sHub.com. So it's Cairo'sAcademy.com and Cairo'sHub.com. Cairo's Academy is for you, Cairo's. Cairo's Hub is for you to get this on to your patients. We're developing a beautiful little app so that when a patient comes into your office, because we've got like 50 different topics and uh, things about 55 topics, if they come in and they tick a couple of things, like uh, you might, they might have headaches, they might have some period problems, they might have a baby, whatever, then they will be sent the information drip fed to their app that is relevant to them to learn about this from us so that you don't have to worry about it. But it would be really good if you can answer questions, right? If you, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I would highly recommend you also take a little bit of time to learn. So they're the three things that I would recommend people do is they, they put a little bit of money, like put it into this chiropractic Congress, the future of chiropractic strategic plan. We're fundraising at the moment and we will build this big beast to collect data from your offices and get that, you know, millions of patients show that, you know, your care plan is the best, right? Instead of two visits and then send them home, right? But you, you're going to get that from real life data, from real chiropractic practices, from real patients. If you get millions of data points like that, that is that is worth way more than a randomized control trial done in a lab. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So put some money aside, put it to that chiropractic congress. <clears throat> we're running out of time for me to talk about the randomized control trial we're doing on prefrontal cortex. Uh-huh. thing we're doing is literally because yes, we've shown we changed the prefrontal cortex, but we don't know which of those prefrontal cortex functions change. So we're now running a study to literally look at that. So if you like that kind of stuff, then put some money towards that, but educate yourself, go on Kairos Academy, learn some of this stuff. It's easy. It, it, well, it's not, but you know, it doesn't, it won't take you long. Yes. 
And then number three, get that information out to the public because we're going to change the world if we get through to the grassroots and literally enlighten the patients about the scientific facts. Because again, you know, d- done in the right language, who would not want to come and continue to see you on a regular basis if they knew what we knew? That's, yeah, I, that was an amazing summary. Like, I, I think that's a great point to kind of, or like place to kind of wrap up of like, go donate, <laughs> bare minimum, go donate, because it sounds like within, you know, we're seeing it, we've seen it with the last couple years, you know, with the pandemic of being like, oh, it'd be really nice if we had some research, you know, know. it'd be wonderful. And I don't think that's going to go away. Um, We're not trending as a society to not need like to, oh, maybe we'll just trust the chiropractors because they've been doing it long enough. So like bare minimum, go donate, go change your language. So you would recommend like, obviously everybody should own reality check your book. Um, and where can you buy that? Amazon? Um, I, you can get it on Amazon. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Definitely in the ebook. I was looking the other day and I couldn't find the hard copies. I'm pretty sure we had them there too. But anyway, just it should be on Amazon. It's also at HeidiHorvick.com. We have an online shop. Just literally HeidiHorvick.com. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and so then Academy. Yeah. How do those two, the Reality Check and Cairo's Academy, like overlap? Are they similar information? Just... So, so I started with the book. So the book was the first and it was so popular, so well received by the profession that they then started to ask me about, well, what about this topic? And what about that topic? And I suddenly realized, okay. So then it started to grow. So since 2014, we've literally started to put together classes. And I mean, each single hour on there takes me at least 30 hours of work. And I've got a team, like it is, it is a massive amount of work. We literally search the literature on a topic anything we can find. We summarize it, we critique the papers for you, and then we literally translate it into Cairo speak for you on Cairo's Academy, and then we translate it into patient language, lay language for Cairo's hub so that you can share that information. So if you're really excited about something you've learned about at Cairo's Academy and you want to share that, you'll find a little video or a little summary article in Cairo's hub that, again, just correlates beautifully so you can share that information. Like how often should I be seeing you? There's studies that show you should be seeing people three times a week for certain things like headaches, you know. So you want those studies. You do far better a year from now if I, if you let me see you three times a week, you know, in this early phase compared to me seeing you once or twice. You, you want to share that shit with, oops, sorry, again. <laughs> you want to share that shit with people. I mean, they need to know that. Yep. Oh. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time. Um, Anytime. I would love to talk to you again. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Are you going to be in the States anytime at any conferences? You got anything coming up? I'm not actually allowed in the country. So, yes, I have got conferences that I'm supposed to come to. And I'm hoping I still can. But your government needs to change the rules. We're not allowed in the country. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's still happening. I forgot that. Yeah. Huh. Okay. So I have been invited to speak both at um, Palmer's 125th celebration in September and at Cleveland's 100-year celebration in October. But whether I'm allowed in or not, I don't know. And, and of yeah. course, there's nothing else. But I'm f- fingers crossed. I mean, they would be two events I wouldn't want to miss if I 
if I can, not yeah. miss them. September is we'll a long ways away. We'll see. We'll see. It's been so much fun. Thank you for oh, having me. Thank you so much, Heidi. All right, She Slayers, please go. We have all the links listed below. Go donate, sign up, educate yourself, educate your patients. And until next week, bye. Hey, She Slayers, are you looking to get your team off the phone and streamline your front desk so you can spend more time doing what you love? SCED has exactly what you're looking for. They will automate all your appointment reminders, missed appointment reminders, reactivation campaigns, allow you to have two-way texting with your patients. Plus, they have a very cool app that your patients are going to love. The app alone saves chiropractors tons of time because it gives patients the flexibility to move appointments to a time that works better for them. Don't worry, you won't lose control of your schedule because you'll have access to all the parameters that keep you still in control. Plus, there's overbook protection, so your schedule won't get out of hand. SCED was created by a chiropractor for chiropractors, so you can rest assured that you're getting the absolute best system for your office. Dr. Eric Kowalki is committed to the chiropractic mission, and he works closely with his developers to always be innovative so that we have the best system available. If you're hesitant to switch to SCED because you already use something else, let me tell you, it's worth every penny. Plus, mention that you heard about it on my podcast and they'll give you a discount. Seriously, it is a game changer. Don't wait.